Utah goes into Stanford and kicks the shit out of them. Really unbelievable. Colorado stays undefeated. Washington stumbles in their setup uh, for the Oregon game. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. What is or is not an eligible receiver? This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So let's get right into last week's action, and I'm going to say straight off the top, I had to make an emergency trip to the Twin Cities for a, for a, a unfortunate uh, death in the family. Did not watch a lot of these football games. Watched- Didn't miss much. They weren't very good. Yeah, I mean, I saw I was kind of like flipping around at nighttime because was, I was on Central Time, so like all these things were happening. Some of them were happening pretty late, so it was like kind of sweet. I didn't have any obligations anymore for the day, so I could you know flip around as it got to be like midnight. Yeah, but I was—I'll tell you what—I was falling asleep. I wouldn't stay up and watch these games as an adult. <laughs> I'll say that. No, no. I mean, <laughs> if I lived on the East Coast, I can tell you that I would very comfortably move to a, move on to a life that didn't include <laughs> Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh so first off let's start with uh let's start with that utah and stanford game right that's i mean this is the shocker of the week you know yeah. i mean uh utah who had looked you know borderline punchless on offense the team that could barely score against northern illinois uh lost to washington lost to wsu uh and then they go to Stanford to rank Stanford Stanford that has been humbled with a trip to Notre Dame and it wasn't even like they stole it it was like they just killed them yeah I mean you said last week when Stanford put up you know or uh, when uh, excuse me when Utah put up what 24 points you know like that's great for them you know that's that's like a huge number for them I mean 40 is like a normal Pac-12 team putting up 65 yeah that that is uh that's like it, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, and I, I know that Bryce Love sat out for the game, but to go into halftime down twenty four to seven to this Utah team, I get twenty four points in the first half against Utah, who've been punchless, uh, and then to still go out and lose the second half of this game. I mean, Utah just beat them in a game where, you know, Stanford uh on virtue of stole, stealing that game against Oregon. You know, we're still undefeated in the conference. I mean, this is a game that has major North implications. Uh, I mean, it, this is uh, an an inexplicable result. And now all of a sudden you look at the rest of Stanford's schedule and you're wondering, like, how many more losses are out here for this team? Because uh, well, we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit uh, over these weeks. Well, uh, that Stanford's line play this year is not what it has been. And that has been their bread and butter. Like if nothing else, they were going to have NFL guys across the offensive and defensive lines. And that plays a big part in their game, which is like a lot of dink and dunk long drives. We're going to overpower you as the game goes on. And all of a sudden this is looking like it might not be an option for them this year. Which means they're screwed, right? I mean, like you can't, you can't win games just running jump ball offense, which they kind of were earlier in the year. I mean, that they, they have these big receivers, but they're not, you know, they're not particularly nimble. They're just legitimately running jump balls to them, and they're taller, so they catch them. Uh, but it doesn't – that's not 
I mean, you, I mean, you know me. We argue about this every week as a vis-a-vis WSU, whether or not you can win consistently in college football without running the ball. If Stanford can't run the ball with Bryce Love, then all they have left is the jump ball offense, and they got problems. I mean, this going to be a, it's going to be a rough uh, it's going to be a rough end of this year. And uh, I mean, David Shaw's got a lot of institutional capital at Stanford, so it won't. You know, I don't think it'll impact him like his job security this year certainly like, not yeah next year really like they could be down for a couple of years but like this stanford is built in in like a certain way and they need to get back to that quickly i believe um or risk losing it for a, a long time yes I, I agree with that because the 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 other the thing that's weird about stanford is that even in their success it's not like they're selling out their stadium you know what i mean and like their fans uh, are are happy that the football team is good, but they don't turn into uh, bloodthirsty maniacs whose real lives are negatively impacted uh, when the team is bad. The way that that happens for me when Washington is bad, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think with Stanford, like a perfect example is that Foster Sorrell kid, right out of out of Washington, right? Mm-hmm. He. He had a difficult decision to make, whether or not he wanted to go to UW or whether he wanted to go to Stanford. And Stanford had been putting up, you know, great season after season under, uh, you know, Harbaugh and then Shaw. And they had a demonstrated history of just dominance along the lines. They, you know, they call it intellectual brutality, which is a cute little play on words. Um, And and they, they can sell that. And like, as you, you know, alluded to, their their fan base isn't particularly rabid. Their stadium isn't a, a hard place to go play. But you know when you've got NFL talent on the on the lines and you can put guys in the NFL consistently and you have this kind of a, a niche um, genre that you're recruiting to. And oh by the way, you get a Stanford degree and get to live in Palo Alto for a couple of years, which isn't the worst thing in the world. That I mean that all comes together into to a pretty compelling sales pitch, I believe. Oh yeah. That, that perhaps uh, someone like myself would be interested in were I of that size. Um, but I'm not, and, and I can't. So, But that if their line play deteriorates for the remainder of the year and it, and it you know becomes a problem and they can't consistently win and dominate on the lines, then it's going to be harder for guys like Foster Sorrell to choose Stanford over – you know, Washington or any, I mean, really any school, Oregon, USC, and the Pac-12, you know, any SEC school. It's going to be more difficult for them to pull the premier blue chip O-line and D-line talent that they're that they're after that creates the, the culture that they have right now. Yeah, yeah I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, so ne- next, let's move on to Colorado-hosted Arizona State. A show-me game for Colorado who were undefeated, but as we talked about going into last week, an abysmal schedule up to that point. I mean, just a, a horrendous strength of schedule. They played and beat a bunch of bums. So they're playing an Arizona State team. Arizona State, uh, you know, looked frisky against Washington, uh, beat Michigan State, you know, still probably the best Pac-12 win of the season to this point, uh, you know, certainly out of conference. Uh, and, you know, it was like, what were, what are we going to see here? Are we going to see Colorado uh, get meek? in the face of some actual uh, power five competition. Uh, But Colorado takes care of business wins by a touchdown at home against Arizona state. How about it? The buffs undefeated. 
How many points is a touchdown worth? Seven. Correct. Well, with the extra point. We're six. That's, six that's, yeah, that's, six, I, I assume yeah, the college yeah, extra point. I, I appreciate that. The assumed extra point is, is included. Yeah. Uh, how many touchdowns did LaVisca Chenault account for for Colorado in this game? Can you tell me? Uh, under 3-4. Four. Uh, multiply that out for me. What do we got? That is the entirety of Colorado's offensive output in this game. That dude is good. Yeah. He's, that, dude, he's, that dude can ball. Like, that dude is so good and fun to watch. And, there, I mean, Nikhil Harry for ASU got hurt in this game a little bit. Like, in the first half, he, he got dinged up, and as did Manny Wilkins, which probably, you know, when you look at the scoreline, impacted the game significantly. Yeah. But I believe he had Nikhil Harry ended up with three touches in this game, um, three receptions. And I think LaVisca Chanel accounted for – over fifty percent of Colorado's completions in this game, if I'm not is that is that correct? Um let us see. Yes, he did. Yeah. So A, if I'm Lavisca Chenault's uh unspoken agent, I'm upset about that. And B, good for Mike McIntyre for acknowledging that he's got this crazy awesome talent and just absolutely riding that guy to victory. Like what I mean, it, I enjoyed this game just because that dude is so good, and he just—I mean, he, two rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns. Montez is you know pitching the ball around a lot and actually fairly accurate and doing well as opposed to last year. So I mean, I, this was a of a, a week where there wasn't a lot of great games. I I enjoyed this game a lot. Yeah. So I mean, I I'm impressed by Colorado. They're going to be fun to watch going forward. Uh, you know, and I'll you know. Going into this week, it was kind of like, oh, well, they're undefeated. They're, you know, among the group of South contenders, but who really knows? And now you say they're legitimize themselves a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is a good win. I, you know, like I said, I, Arizona State got dinged up in the, during the course of this game. And, and you know, both Manny Wilkins and, and Nikhil Harry weren't 100% in the second half. But, I mean, that's life. Um, you can't do anything about it. Colorado can just beat the teams that are in front of you, and they beat ASU, so good for them. Yeah, speaking of a game that looks like I, I saw the score on the ticker, and this is so fun to watch, but I couldn't find Pac-12 Network uh, at my, you know, in in the suburbs of the Twin Cities. Uh, Washington State, 56 to 37 winners against Oregon State. A weird game, um, because WSU jumped out early, early, early to a 14 nothing lead. I mean, I want to say like 12 minutes left to go in the first quarter, and they were up 14 nothing. And then Oregon State bounces back all the way to how – I mean, they had the lead in the third quarter of this game from that. And then things go just so hilariously sideways for them that they end up – I mean, not only losing, but it kind of appears they got blown out. But if you had seen the game, you'd be like, that was a good game. I mean, that was a good-ass game to watch. Um, WSU, Gardner Minshew has – I mean, I, I – you know, I mean, Luke Falk was good last year, but is it fair to say that Minshew's better? I think it's, I mean, I think it's a fair conversation. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, because it's not like Connor Halliday was a slouch before Falk, you know? And Holinsky, when he played, uh, God rest his soul, you know, like was basically equal to Falk, you know? What's, what's scary if, uh, and I mean, I guess, I mean, more so just a credit to Mike Leach. It seems to be that once he finds his guy, he can get his guy in there to do what he wants his guy to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're Oregon State, Jamar Jefferson had, a, had another great game. I believe he's I – saw, I saw somewhere or read somewhere that he was – he's now tied with Ken Simonton for the only Oregon State player to have two separate uh, four-score games, which is kind of cool considering he's a true freshman. Yeah, and um, I think uh, I think he – I had read this week he's challenging uh, LaMichael James's uh, freshman rushing record. I can't recall whether that's for the conference or for – the uh nation but it's something like 1300 yards and he's like on pace for it good for him man i, I mean I, that's a this is a, like this is another game that was fun even though the final score appears to be a blowout um it, it was actually a pretty good game like i said i mean oregon state had the lead at one point in the third quarter um but they you know they're just not there yet you know it's only second year, or first year under john smith um but they got some. He's got some guys, particularly on offense. His defense isn't very good, but um, super fun game. Yeah, I mean they've they've shown enough. If I'm like a recruit is looking at Oregon State, they they have a pulse, and you can see what they're trying to do, and they have some players. Certainly, yeah. certainly on the offensive side of the ball, I think the defense is still too small and slow, and that's that's just going to be a long fix. That is what it is. But they're you know, some things are happening, you know, it's like your job when you go into a program of that bad is just show that you're capable of doing anything. And I think they have made that showing thus far. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, finally, that brings us to Washington went on the road to UCLA where they had not won in Pasadena, uh, since 1995, Washington does win the game 31 to 24. Here was my experience watching this game. I watched the first half religiously, right? Then uh, somebody ordered some somebody ordered some Greek food. I went away and ate it and uh, played with my niece for a while. And then I come back and all of a sudden it's like a one score game in the second half. So Washington built up a lead, left and ate some Greek food, uh, came back for the end of it and did just enough to win. Okay, I had a similar experience. First of all, I want to also mention that Arizona beat Cal. But that wasn't a very good game. We don't care about it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't talk about that, but that was surprising. No, I, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's do Washington, and then we'll do Arizona Cup. Uh, there's no point in us talking about that. It okay. wasn't good. Um, but I watched the first half of this game, more or less watched it. We were, we were sort of having like a happy hour at, my, at our house with a, a gathering of individuals. Um, and then in the second half, like for the second half, I went to this awesome festival down at um, – Amazon's campus called Calabunga, and particularly what we went to was a uh, event called Seared, which is effectively just a celebration of the cow as Calabunga. And Seared is just a, a bunch of restaurants come and set up tents, and they make you a dish um, with a beef dish of some kind. So you know, like asada tacos, and then you get a little bit of tri-tip in there, and yeah, it was it's pretty great. And so the same thing happened for me where I watched the first half was completely comfortable with the score and then left. And then um, I just didn't watch the second half and went to this thing and said, and then at one point checked my phone, like many, many hours later, I was like, Oh man, we almost uh, didn't win that game. Yeah. I I went there when I finally got back to the game. uh, My, uh, my uh, living uncle came down and was like, uh, he was like, ah, Washington's going to get a stop here and then they're going to score. And that's exactly what happened. And like, I think I was, by that point in the day, everybody had been kind of like, you know, blowing off a little steam. Uh, and he was just like, let's get this over with. Uh, I want to take, I want you to come out and drive my Porsche. And so, yeah, I did. It was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I, would. I never get to. I never get to drive a car that nice. I don't even want to guess at how much that thing cost. But uh, he would. He was like halfway nervous with me messing around with it. But then uh, he he was put at ease because I reminded him that I used to drive FedEx trucks, and he was like, "Oh, then you can drive anything." Yeah, you're a very cautious individual. I'm sure you. I'm sure you're very safe. I well, I mean, I'm not trying to get a ticket in that thing. I was, I was scared of what it would do. Yeah, I think this conversation that we've had about your uncle's Porsche and going to the beef is a pretty good summation of the UWCLA game overall, just in terms of how we both felt about it. Yeah, I don't take anything from it other than they won. They won. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't read too much into the fact that they came out flat against a terrible team. They demonstrated early that they were superior. And yeah, and I never, even flat. when I was watching it, when it got within a score, I was never like, oh, we're going to lose. They didn't come out flat. Well, they were up 24-7 at halftime. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, no team in the history of college football has ever, like, gone into, a, like, been tw- up 24-7 and then lost a game after that. So, I mean, I knew at halftime we were going to win. Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like it was similar to like the Arizona State game, where it was like, yeah, the final score is close, but like, it was uh, it was a seven point blowout, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, once you're up twenty four seven at halftime, like, just it's impossible to lose that game. Yeah. All right. So, and then as we touched on, Arizona beat Cal. Surprising result, you know? I mean, Cal were two weeks away from being ranked. They lose at home to Oregon soundly, and then they lose to an Arizona team that has looked like one of the worst teams in the conference. Uh. I briefly flipped back and forth between uh, that Arizona game and the Utah-Stanford game. Uh, what I noticed is that our boy uh, Khalil Tate was running a little bit more. I don't know how much he ran for in the game, but I saw a couple plays where he took off and looked right. Good Graham. Yeah, I got nothing on this game. It happened. I know it happened. Graham, is that you? Come here. <laughs> Yes. Come on in, buddy. Now, does mommy know that you're out of your bed? No. What do you think mommy would say? She goes one time, but I don't know. All right, so I apologize for that digression. Uh, At the end of the day, that uh, concluded our wrap-up of last week. Uh, And on the picks, how did we do? Poorly. Well, Warm did good. Well, better than us. Well, yeah. We had a we had a steady progression of worm worm went three and two you went two and three and I went one and four so back to thirty three and sixteen overall uh, thirty and nineteen and thirty four and fifteen so worm right now is is uh, heading up the lead I'm on second thirty three and sixteen and you are but three games behind at thirty and nineteen as we move on I'm in the mix I'm in the mix all right. So let's start it up. We got Utah going to Arizona. Utah off their, I mean, what you, has to have been their game of the season. They're going to an Arizona team that just booked a conference win against Cal. Uh, Utah are 14-point favorites in this game. Worm doubling down on a correct Arizona pick from last week. Utah's at home in this game. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. And they've got a good defense. Uh so I'm I'm not sure I'm sold on Arizona, but 14 points for a team like Utah is a lot of points. Um, do we think that Utah? Ha- yeah, I'm gonna go with Utah. I think they've they've got it figured out. 
I'll do, I, I like Utah also. I think an opportunity for them to get the ship righted, you know, and they took advantage of it last week and try and build some momentum at home against a team that up till last week, uh, I was, you know, considering them in the same breath as like UCLA in terms of just like down there towards, you know, 10th and lower in the conference. I almost guarantee we're going to lose that game. Yep. But you know what? We got the home team. Uh, that is a well, lot yeah, of points. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. We already wrote it. I see it in the Google, in the Google Doc. There's not, there's not going to change it. It's done. Uh, <laughs> California is going to be at home against UCLA. UCLA, uh, you know, they, they covered against the sleepwalking Washington. Uh, I'm going to take Cal for a bounce back game. What What's interesting about Cal is they've got Garbers who they like better than Bowers for some reason. And now um, they, and now they have McIlwain that they yeah. like better than both of those guys. This McIlwain guy can't throw, you know not, what I mean? Yeah, not any he's not, he's like, he's a good wildcat quarterback, but he can't throw. Bowers was not bad. That guy should be furious and he ought to be playing. I'm going UCLA in this game, man. It's a, the steady chip Kelly progression. I, I mean, it, I've watched the first half of the Washington game last week and then I've subsequently watched the 60, you know, 60 and 60 down Pac-12. You um, still didn't play terrible. Like, they look they looked very competent, you know. Like, they they put up more points against UW than anybody else this year. Yeah, uh, and their quarterback looked pretty good. Yeah, and their running back looked good and their defense looked tight. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully on board with UCLA covering this line. All righty. I'm going to take Cal. I, I say Cal bounces back. UCLA on the road against a wounded Cal team looking to get themselves righted. I think Cal has got enough to take care of business in this one. I um, think UCLA wins the game outright. That's, what I'm, that's how confident I am right now in these Bruins. Oh, I like that fire. Uh, USC is at home against Colorado. All of a sudden, this is a Pac-12 South decider game. It might be, yeah. Woo, USC favored by seven. Now I got to think about this. And you're Colorado. You got the best quarterback. You got a better quarterback in this game than USC, and you got a better uh, receiver than than USC's got. I don't know. I mean, every other position, probably USC has a better player, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, LaVisca Chenault's probably, I mean, he's the best player in the game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, and, and Montez is certainly better than USC's, like, freshman freshman quarterback. So it's, I mean, I'm trying to talk myself into these buffs is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I have done it, and I will take the buffs. <laughs> I love it. I love the buffs so much, dude. It's hard not to pick it. So who are you I, thinking? Are you thinking USC? Arizona State last week, like, why wouldn't they be, you, you, know, you know, a terrible Trojans team that, that is terribly coached? Yeah. And so that brings us to Washington traveling to Oregon. Washington are three-point favorites, a line that is moving Oregon's way. I think it opened up at least at three and a half. So the early money appears to be on the Ducks. Good. I think so. Good. Also. Okay. This is the thing. It's like, I don't think Washington team, this Washington team is perfect this year. Uh, I'll be one of those fools who says in a weird way, it's good that they kind of stumbled in the second half against UCLA. Good for a refocus. Uh, 
And my two main thoughts on the game are thus. One. Uh, in terms of just like the maximum pain that could be inflicted on a fan base here, everything is ripe for Oregon disappointment, right? If Washington loses this game, they're losing, uh, on the road, uh, to a ranked team that for all we know appears to be pretty good, right? You know, they got potentially the number one pick in the NFL draft, uh, in the air bear, uh, you know, or like first quarterback off the board, at least, you know. Uh, they, they've looked frisky. They, you know, looked frankly good, you know, for two thirds of that game against Stanford before they just choked it away. Right. Uh, and then they went and, uh, were even better put in a full 60 minutes against Cal the following week. Then they've been on a bye, right. They get, get everybody healthy, put some new things in ready to go. So if I'm an Oregon fan, right, and I believe this to be the tenor of the Oregon fan base right now, they really believe that they're in this game with a shot and they expect to win, you know. Uh, the reason I think it's positioned to inflict maximum pain is because if they lose it, all of a sudden, as we talked about, Oregon has played, what, one road game to this point. Most of the second half of their season is on the road, including, like, you know, at Washington State, they're playing some tough teams. Uh, and what do they really have to show for it? You know, like if they, if they lose this game, then they've lost to Stanford. They've lost to Washington. They're basically out of it in terms of the PAC 12 North title. And they're trying to figure out what went wrong and build for the future. But with a quarterback who's likely on his way out the door, uh, and to be closely followed by like a Troy die. And then that tall defensive end they have. And a lot of their players that are their special players right now. Okay. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about going into this game is that Oregon has played an abysmal schedule so far. Their best wins are the loss to a Stanford team that uh, got blown out by Notre Dame and then blown out by a mediocre Utah team, right? You know, so maybe the fact that they won, they didn't win that game anyway, but two, maybe the fact they look so good for parts of it doesn't mean that much. Maybe Stanford's just not that great, right? And likewise with Cal, Oregon's actual one good win, Cal turns around and goes and loses to a bad Arizona team, you know? So maybe Cal's not that good. I looked on the Jeff uh, Sagarin strength of schedule ratings. Now, bear in mind, there are 130 teams in the FBS subdivision, right? Uh, Oregon has played the 137th toughest schedule in the nation. Yeah, because App State has like certainly played a tougher schedule than that. Yeah, because there are at least seven double A, you know, FCS teams that have played a harder slate of games than Oregon has to this point, right? And it's like it's not like they've crushed everybody. They gave up points to a Bowling Green team that I can only assume is at best extremely mediocre. You know what I mean? They lost to a Stanford team that you know maybe is at best mediocre plus. You know. And, uh, it's maybe, I mean, like we, the, the other thing I think about if I'm trying to be positive from an Oregon perspective, is that like, maybe it's just like 2016 Washington, which had a real sleepwalking non-conference, very light schedule, but that Washington team boat raced all those teams in non-conference, you know, they weren't giving up any points. They were scoring a ton of points. And to my mind looked better against that competition than this year's Oregon team has looked better against their terrible competition. So I like, I mean, I think there's a, a, a potentially the case that Oregon is just not that good and they just haven't played anybody yet. 
Well, yeah, they played five of their six games at home, and their only road trip was the the you know basically the shortest possible road trip other than the Washington that they could have, just to Cal, just five hundred miles. Um, they haven't played anybody, so who knows? I mean, uh, Herbert's good. He hasn't played any defense yet, other than Stanford, that can give him any kind of trouble. And Stanford's defense, as it turns out, isn't that great. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Washington's defense didn't look great against UCLA. So if if Washington's defense lets him stand back there and throw throw passes wherever he wants all over the field, he may have a great game, and it could be a good game. I can also see Washington's defense coming out early and giving him happy feet. And if he gets happy feet, there this is not a, the Oregon team of old that can run, you know, run the ball all over the, all over the place and beat you that way. Um, I see the Oregon, like the, the Oregon boards are very, very ripe to, um, to the notion that they're going to expose Washington's defense. And I mean, Washington's defense has been good for a long time under, uh, Kwiatkowski and Peterson and Lake. So, um, it, I, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think UW's going to win the game based on just sheer talent. I mean, they've got better players and they're well coached. Yeah, so. better players, better coached over a longer period of time. That's I I agree with that. What what I'm concerned about as a Washington fan into this game is that the atmosphere doesn't know the true relationship between the teams, and Washington has shown a penchant for, uh, like, feeling their way into big atmosphere games like this. And Oregon is going to be live, right? Because they really believe that they can win this game. They lost the last couple and haven't been competitive in them. They feel like it's time for them to turn return to their rightful place in the rivalry. So I think, again, the early point of the game, uh, like it was against UCLA, is going to be crucial uh, in terms of, you know, the sooner you can take that crowd out of the game, the better. Um, but, I, I mean, Washington, like exactly as you said, Washington's defense has been so good for so long that – I'm never going to go into a game and be like, oh, well, you know, this team poses too many problems for all the things that Oregon does well on offense. uh, They don't have a LaVisca Chenault, you know, they have like uh, they have the the air bear who's like pretty good, but it's not like he's throwing to the biggest cast of weapons in the world. You know, it's like decent players. They have a good freshman running back. Uh, To me, this is until they demonstrate that they can beat us. Like, I, I, I mean, to their, I mean, I guess like favorable to them. I could, I consider that to be within the realm of possibility, right? Uh, that they can win the game, but I don't know. I mean, you gotta, I, it's going to take more than that for me to pick against Washington. I mean, look, the schedule sets up for Oregon. They're coming off a bye. They're playing at home for their five, you know, fifth time in six games. Washington's playing, on the road for the fourth time in seventh games, including back-to-back. You know, the Pac-12 certainly did everything in their power to set this game up for Oregon to win it. But Washington's not particularly injured coming into this game. Everyone's relatively healthy. Um, and I, I don't I don't think that Washington's going to be as intimidated going into this setting as they, they were going into, you know, the Auburn game, for instance, uh, where they just appeared outclassed and outmatched from the get-go. And, and it took them a quarter and a half basically to get into the flow of the game. Most of Washington's uh, key players have played Oregon before, have beat Oregon before, have beat Oregon in Austin before. Um, 
So if if Oregon intends to win this game, it's going to have to be on the merits. And on the merits, I'll take Washington. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can very much foresee a situation where maybe, you know, Oregon's able to score on their first drive, which happens against Washington sometimes, or maybe they're not. But then all of a sudden, it's deep into the second quarter, and Oregon really hasn't had the ball, like, on our side of the field for a little bit, you know? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, and and it's not like it's something I'm trying to talk myself into. I'm trying to give this a fair assessment of what I think can possibly happen in this game. I'm concerned as a Washington fan because we aren't very far removed from uh, losing 12 straight to these guys, right? Uh, But at the same time, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, Oregon's, it's, you know, the the burden is on them to show that they are back in this rivalry. And until they do, I'm just not going to assume anything in their favor. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them, for real. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Washington, uh, give them to win. Yeah. Here's the thing about this game also. I So I signed up to coach my daughter's soccer team, which you and I have talked about. And I was like, oh, all these games are like in the middle of the day on Saturdays. I didn't realize that we had the possibility of having these midday games. Yeah. <laughs> but when I did that, I was like, oh, well, we only play night games anymore. We play like one afternoon game a year against the worst non-conference team in like early September. And then after that, it's at least five o'clock for everything. So the fact that we have back-to-back 1230 starts, I'm not particularly happy about it. Yeah, that's not that's not great for my for me either. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm I'm really considering doing like a a full early two thousands radio silence DVR watch. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch this game with my infant daughter um, bothering me because this is a thing. Uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen from Saved by the Bell. Oh, I'm I'm very familiar. Uh, yeah. uh, a cookbook apparently and is touring the nation with it and my wife and her sister are all into that and going right directly to that on saturday <laughs> to go see tiffany amber Thiessen cook uh, you're damn right <laughs> oh no and you're and so kid- i'll be watching this game with my daughter well there you go i mean i don't know i guess she can cook now i mean i guess that's like that's her thing is that she she like pivoted from acting to cooking and now she's a, now she's a celebrity chef of some kind. Uh, good for her, dude. She's a very important figure to a gentleman, of, uh, of our age. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. Like all credit to her. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, shouldn't she have a very lucrative career on the, you know, like Hollywood C movie scene, you know, for the rest of her life where she stars in like, five or six movies a year that go directly to Netflix now or whatever it is, but, but still makes, you know, like six figures per and, and does very well for herself. Like I, I thought that would be the, the, the path, you know, the track for sure. But I guess, I mean, if I could, if I could, you know, make a living selling cookbooks, I'd do that too. We are, I'm checking the credits right now. We're saying what kind of work is Tiffany Amber Thiessen doing? Yeah, let's see. Uh, she appeared, reprised her role as Kelly Kapowski on the tonight show three years ago. Okay. Uh, one episode of a show called American housewife. That's exa- that's where I thought she should be in 2017 and is presently on a TV series called Alexa and Katie. Okay. 
but I, like I got nothing against it. You want to? I mean, good for her, right? For for doing this. I just I felt like it'd be probably easier to just do the the whole live in live in L.A. and and you know make your money off of like producers who are trying to make it in the in the industry, and and you know that would be the way to go. But whatever. That's that's it is what it is. Yeah, Frank. I, uh, I don't know. I can't even tell what channel this show is on. She's not in like she's not been in any of like the Sharknado movies or any of that. No, I wouldn't even put her in that. I'd have her as like uh, you know, like uh, you know, these shows that are out now where they're just like hour long dramas on the networks where it's like we're just gonna make you cry for some reason and like they, these things. She could do a she could do a like a, a you know like a Sharknado esque. I mean, like those movies are parodies of themselves. And effectively, just you know, are, exist as far as I can tell to to you know, because isn't like Ian Zaring or whatever like the lead guy in that? And I mean, it seems like that's just like a layup for you know that genre of actors. No, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, she, yeah, at, at the very least, yeah, you could do that as a lark, you know, be like, oh, yeah, this, this isn't that's serious. That's, you're Kelly Kapowski. You're, you've made it. You've done it. You've done what you need to do in life to live an extremely comfortable and wealthy life. I would just, I would, I would spend the remainder of my life capitalizing off that, um, which I suppose she is in a way, because I, you know, like you and I could write a cookbook and nobody would care and nobody would come see it. So perhaps she's doing that in her own way. So good for her, I guess. But it's going to impact my viewing of this game. <laughs> yeah, so that's a negative. Maybe the first time she's wronged you, really. For sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. One, two, No, no, no. Show window, put into camera, so no, 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 Oh,